Allen. It's the State of Combat Podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell. Ready to rock, ready to roll, mixed martial arts style. It's a big week, folks, all right? Get your USADA tests in order because it's time for UFC 244. The BMF title on the line, and we will have a fight. Luckily, we got this show to get in your ear holes and get you fired up with that untraceable, unmistakable performance Enhancing audio. BC, your boy, that's the voice that you hear. But you know I got some tag team partners. Most importantly, the UFC Hall of Famer. Oh no, his career might not be over. He's always sweet. He's never sour. He's an earthquake survivor. It's Sugar Rashad Evans. BC, what's going on? I love the introduction, man. I, when, when I have my first fight back, you got to introduce me. Yeah, yeah, take that, Bruce Buffer. Why don't you <laughs> stick that right in the end? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. Wow, fired up. And we also, of course, have the backbone of the show, the muscle, the big 6'5", tall drink of water. From North Boca, number 65 in your scorebook, number one in your heart, it's Brandon Wise. What's up, BC? I don't know if I can be the backbone or muscle of this show, <laughs> given that I have a Hall of Famer sitting next to me, but I will take it. All right. All right. Well, uh, uh, Brandon, of course, in, in the middle of this move, moving to Connecticut, fired up for this, bro. Bro, we're going to be like neighbors. <laughs> You're more excited about this than I am. But you know what? I think, I think we're missing the bigger opportunity here. I think this is when the sparring match should happen. Oh, 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 oh. On Connecticut soil. All right. All right. Yeah. He's claiming that the contract states it has to happen in Florida. Oh, my. It was an oral contract, and we know how those things go. (laughs) Wow. What what does that mean? I don't even know. Hey, guys, it's 244 week MSG NYC. I mean, seriously, any other given Saturday on the year, if Nate Diaz and George Mosvidal were getting together, your boy BC would be front row. But of course, the combat gods are like, no, we got to have Canelo Kovalev on the same damn night. So I'll be there in Vegas. Our boy on the uh, State of Combat Pro Wrestling Pod. You know, G- gentleman Jack Crosby, he'll be there in the flesh in MSG for us on the CBS. And Rashad, are you going to be there? Sometimes no, you go to fights. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it this morning. All right. All right, bro. All right. Well, I'm fired up. Big week. We got a lot to break down, of course, from the worlds of UFC and Bellator. Loaded weekend over the weekend. And, of course, a reminder, folks, you listen to the show. You like what you hear. I'm not impressed by your performance. Oh, hey, we got jokes. Uh, Five-star review season is upon us. So get on out there. Spread it forward. Do the deed. Indeed. And let's get fired up for a big arse show, fellas. And, um... Anything personal you want to get into? Rashad, I love the updates. I love to be part of this comeback. I love to follow right along with you and your 40-year-old abs in your vegan lifestyle. Is it vegan or is it just no meat? Is that the same thing? It's more like fruitarian. I'm more of a fruitarian. All right. All right. You want to get fruity with us? That's fine. Um, how How is it, bro? How is it going? It's going pretty good, man. I, uh, I up my training. You know, I'm uh, training alongside the champ, Kamaru Usman, helping him get ready. So, you know, that comes with bringing a whole nother level. So I've been, you know, up in my level so I can keep up with the champ. When the champ is getting up in your A on the mat, can you prevent the takedown against the guy of that uh, of that aggression? Come on, BC. I ain't dead. I ain't, I'm still Sugar Rashad. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about a champ right here. We're talking about champion material here. We're talking about Niagara Falls in the house. Yes. All right. I'm not a belt, but listen, I'm not a jump. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take that, champ. Yeah, take that. Uh, by the way, he's going to do bad things to Colby at 245, Brandon. So you you better put all your uh, MAGA clothes back in the closet, all right? What is wrong with you today? <laughs> Are you just being an ultimate troll? I'm just fired up. I am fired up, guys. All right, I'm going to be on a plane to Vegas tomorrow. I'm thinking about different things in my mind. All the training and all the sex I've been getting. Yeah, my body needs some time off. I need some time off too from all that stuff. What am I? Who am I kidding? I'm married. The, you, there's no sting anymore, right? You know, it's just like, hey, had a good run. You know, the 2000s, good, good decade for me. Not so much anymore. All right, boo, boo me, Brandon. Boo me already. Boo me. Yeah, boo me. All right. Uh, hey, uh, we're gonna get into all things Bellator 232, UFC Singapore, and setting the stage for MSG. The fourth trip for the UFC. Inside the hallowed grounds, the world's most famous arena, since they repealed that absurd law banning the sport in the state of New York. We're going to do all that right after we hear a word from our friends and sponsors. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Dig it. And we're back. BCB dubs and Sugar Rashad Evans in your ear hole. Guys, before we get into looking back, looking ahead, it's BMF season. It's upon us. They're going to have a fight Saturday for this mythical ceremonial but yet physical title i'm fired up for it it's the pro wrestling connection it's all of that as things stand now uncle dana and company seem to basically be like this is a one-off no dana we want more but this is a one-off i'm the boss but but but, hey boss i want to see this thing keep going if we were going to make like a uh bmf pound for pound list who who's up there? Who's in your top five? Who's of this ilk that if we got a winner in Diaz Masvidal and we start matching up for this new division, who do you think fits that realm? Look, Rashad, some guys are pretty boys, some guys are corporate guys. Doesn't mean you can fight or not, but the BMF has an image. It's got a taste. It's got a smell to it. You, my friend, you're a clean cut all American. You you'll get up in that ass. But uh, who's BMF in your eyes? Like. In general, all over, or just still in the UFC? In the like, UFC like, now. Who do you think is in is on that list? Uh, you definitely got to put Cowboy in there. You know, Cowboy is definitely BMF. Uh, Francis is, is BMF. Um, I think uh, Yoel Romero is BMF. Interesting. You know? Interesting. Um, Usman is definitely BMF. Well, Brandon, let me let me cut Rashad off and ask you. When I think BMF, I think gangster. I think I love being about that life so much that I'll even sacrifice a potential win just to show you that I'm here to bang, brother. Let me bang with somebody. So is that in your eyes or is BMF a little bit more like, no, it's just a just a tough-ass dude, just a guy who, who carries that swagger. How do you define it? I mean, it's just kind of – it's everything, right? Like it's it's all of that encompassing because you have to be able to – withstand a bunch of damage you have to be able to walk through those fires and you also have to carry yourself like a badass so to me all of that encompasses in stipe because stipe, stipe. wow stipe. i think hey, stipe hey, I, is, you know what as honestly, a paramedic honestly, that, that's that's a good one that's a good one and listen jeremy stevens is, is up there too i, I think True. that jeremy stevens is definitely one not not that you kind of i guess really solidify what a being like what that is to you. I, I can see that. I can see Jeremy Stevens in there. Uh, Stipe is definitely in there. I never would have guessed Stipe, but he does go in there, take damage, and knock knock your ass out. And then he'll even revive you after the fight because he's licensed if, if that's needed. <laughs> I mean, he's, but the, the, the point is like, 
in his run at heavyweight, getting to the belt and then defending the belt, all he did was knock fools out left yeah. and right and took like big hits from Alistair Overeem, which he might have tapped in. But he tapped, he tapped. Keep going. Yeah. A whole, <laughs> that whole five fight run that he's been on, including the loss against DC, it was just war after war after war. Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, when you get knocked out by Stefan Struve, you do have you have you got a lot to come back on. You got a lot to turn that thing around. Um, no, interesting. You you did talk me into Stevie there. See, when I think of BMF, though, I think a little bit more toward being about that life. So if you've got a face tat, if you've got a big, let me search it. Right. If you're Mike Perry, you're BMF in my league, right? Okay. B- yeah. Mike Perry definitely. Justin Gaethje too. Yeah, yeah. Justin Gaethje Gaethje. might be. He might be. If we're looking at who's the number one contender to the BMF, I might put that guy right there. I mean, look, Tony Ferguson, BMF, right? Little, little little crazy, a little sadistic, you know. on the female side, would you have put Boogie Woman there? I was just gonna say, can chicks be allowed in this? I mean, uh, I don't know. Boogie Woman's very. I mean. She'll get in there, and, and she's grimy when she needs to. But, I mean, I'm in a relationship with her Instagram account. She's, she's also very put together. Is there any any girls who fit that BMF image, though, who just scream that life? Beck Rawlings. Yeah, Row, Rowdy Beck. She, she, <laughs> that was a tough loss she took uh, over the weekend, though, in Bellator. Good God. Who'd she, I don't even think there was a Wikipedia page for the person that beat her. I don't even think that person has a social security number. Who was that? Um, yeah. But you don't you, if you think about it, we don't really have a ton. Like Cyborg, right? Right. Cyborg was that. Yeah, she was. That. Do we really I don't have? Think I, I I think a BMF kind of has that that kind of like you know you're gonna be like it's, it's gonna be one of those fights where you're not gonna come out the same. Yeah, you know? and, and you know what? what? Boogie Woman has that swagger that goes with it, though. You might be right on that. Very few ladies, if we're honest, very few ladies have that trash talk, that swagger, that like they have the internal toughness, right? Because they got, I mean, look, giving birth, man, that's a thing. We we ain't, we ain't trying to give birth, man. I barely survived my vasectomy. What are you kidding me? Uh, but like, none of, very few on this professional level have that outward swagger or or go the level of the tats and the crazy hair and just that like that you know what I'm saying? That grimy presentation. Am I dipping too far into the inappropriate lane? Because I'll stay. I'll I'll live in this lane. <laughs> I mean, we know you have a residence in this lane. <laughs> All right. Hey, it was good talking to you guys. No, um, uh, uh, War Machine. No, no, sorry, sorry. Too, too soon. God, really, dude? Too soon. Too, too, too late. Actually, too early. You know, something like that. All right. Hey, BMF, we're back. Hey, guys, let's get into this weekend. It was a fun weekend. Uh, before we do, I do want to shout out one more time the folks at Ballsy.com, B-A-L-L-S-Y, for outfitting me. Look, Swamp Season, they got me through it with the nut rub, the ball wash, all the kind of men's hygiene products that you don't really think about, but you know you need. Look, I walk around New York City once a week. I don't care what the temperature is outside. You get on a subway, you're sweating them jeans up. You got to stay fresh, especially for the holiday. I, look, Rashad, I got to get you outfitted in your own ballsy box. I think they call it a uh, a sack pack because you need to keep your jewels jolly ahead of the holiday season. It's been unjolly for a while, and I've been telling you, I need something for my jewels. All right, but... I'm, I'm contacting the folks at Ballsy, but the listeners, get on out there. Look, it's a good holiday gift, and uh, fill that stocking, okay? Fill it good. All right, hey, this past weekend, guys, um, we had UFC Singapore. I think this was the biggest storyline overall. God, it was Talk about breakfast at Wimbledon. I loved waking up late, like a little bit hungover putting on UFC Singapore while I drink my coffee. Like that was a privilege. That was some pleasure. We need more of that. And we got a welterweight main event, Ben Askren putting in some cases, his future 
reputation and maybe his future in fighting on the line against 41-year-old Damian Maya in what we predicted would be a, a grapple F for all you ADCC heads out there. You know, for all, all you nerd lovers of of the uh, of the non-combat rolling, this was you. But what ended up happening was something that Brandon, you know, kind of predicted. What happens if the wrestling cancels each other out? The grappling, the ground game, and we see them on their feet. And we saw a lot of on their feet action. Oh, yeah. A lot of Some, it was sloppy. We, sloppy as balls, too. But like I said, like I said before, when I was breaking down last week, I said that uh, Maya has sneaky good stand up, and I knew that the stand up would be the advantage. I just thought that for some reason that Ben Askren would understand that he needed to focus on his stand up this fight. I mean, you know, when you're going against Damian Maya, of course you have the ground aspect, but you you have to be able to say, okay, if I'm going to take advantage in any area, it's going to be in the stand up. And the fact that his stand-up looked even worse than it has ever been, it, it was bad. I mean, he, he was he was reaching, literally reaching for for just to try to get a hold of him, not even with any punches or anything. It was it, it was bad. It was like a zombie walking with his hands up. If Askren had him, spinning ahead, back fist, the spinning back oh. fist was the saddest thing I've ever yeah. seen. Oh. It, it, and and that's the, like like we're martial artists, right? And, and when and when you're and when you're not able to pull off some of those martial art techniques uh, it just doesn't look like you do what you say you do we reached out to gsp <laughs> to get his thoughts on that spinning back fist i think you should shut shut up you're embarrassing yourself right now are, are you still drunk right now are you still drunk oh, 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 too soon george um i'll give i'll give ben one piece of credit he brought that uppercut into his game that hadn't been there before and that was the only thing kind of keeping damian maya from like straight up walking him down and taking him out of there i thought the stand-up was embarrassing between both of them, even though Maya is certainly much more accomplished. When he moved down to welterweight, they mentioned on the broadcast, he really did commit more to setting up his takedowns with his hands. But uh, eventually he got to the ground. Ben had a little bit of moments in wrestling. But Rashad, were you overall impressed by even at this age? And, and Maya, good Lord, he's our age, Rashad. That guy's got some abs. That guy still got it in the fitness department, but he never lost it in the grappling game. He humbled Ben Askren and he put that MF for to sleep, bro. Yeah, and and that's the thing that with, with Damian Maya, when you have a guy like Damian who's so who's so dynamic on the ground. Listen, Ben Askren is is the best of the best in the division when it comes to grappling, and Maya made it look like he didn't even know what he was doing. That's how miles ahead he is versus 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 all the other grapplers in the weight class. Now you have to think like, wow, okay, the guys who beat him, Kobe Covington and and you know Kamaru Usman, those guys definitely got you know some some high level skills because in order to do that and what they did to uh, uh Damian Maya you had to be because he just saw through Ben Askren like Ben didn't take his first jujitsu class. Yeah, bad night all around for Askren, real bad night. Falls to one and two in the UFC. Brandon, um I don't want to overdo this, right? Because the Masvidal lost like the fight never got started. It was just one of those like Hail Mary bullseyes, right? It was just perfection. And even though he kind of looked equally good and bad in the Robbie Lawler fight, it really showed us a lot of heart, but didn't really have the kind of night he expected. Three fights in, are you willing to stand up and say, look, the whole idea that Ben Askren was ever on this level, because we never knew when he was in Bellator and won, 
you wanted to have those conversations. Is he as good as GSP? Is he a top three welterweight in the world? Is he potentially number one because of that one badass skill? You're never going to know unless they get into the damn octagon, though, right? Some people like Eddie Alvarez will show you yes. Some people like a Will Brooks will show you no. I'm not on that level. Is Askren just not who we thought he was? Is this enough of a, uh, a, a sample for you to say, you know what, Ben Askren, really good fighter, really good grappler, uh, dad bod to the, to the nines, but you ain't about this life in this octagon. I think there's partial truths to both of those things, right? Like, I think you can have it both ways here if you want, where you can look at Ben Askren's resume and be like, dude, we hyped this guy up as being like this undefeated all-American wrestler who couldn't be stopped for all this time. But he didn't really fight a name. Like, there's no nobody on that resume that blows your mind. Like, wow, he took that guy out. Well, they were it's, even if you look at Koreshkov and, and Douglas Lima, they were very young when Askren beat them. Correct. And that, the the Douglas Lima loss was the Douglas Lima win was in 2012. But it's just like I get it. I get what people are saying about it, about his his resume looking so weak, and that he's one and two now in three fights, and and what is this? mean and all that well he's also what 36 now 37 and he was retired i'll give him that he was out of he said he was out of fighting when he quit one until the trade happens with ufc i think that it's also partially just weird matchmaking for him where he gets the win over robbie lawler and then gets automatic like immediately elevated into that top five fight against jorge masvidal the problem is we don't actually know what happens in the rest of that Masvidal fight, right? Like, if Masvidal doesn't perfectly game plan that knee, what are we talking about today? You know, we might be talking about Mas- uh, um, Askren against Diaz this weekend instead. So, I think that there's just so much weirdness in fighting where so many different things can happen in a fight that I don't know if I'm willing to say he's completely washed or that he would not have been able to compete as a top five welterweight in UFC. But I can also say he doesn't have the striking to stand with any of these guys. Like, if anybody's able to keep him on his feet, you just saw what happens. Like, and that was Damian Maya lighting him up, not like yeah. any top five welterweight with an actual striking game. You know, like, Rashad, I'm prepared for you to defend the fighter here because I'm a I'm a I'm a jerk off. I'm a weekend warrior, and probably. Three months ago, I'm like, Ben Askren rules. And then I'm opening up this show going, Ben Askren never was. These fickle MFers, right? Here's my thing. I think that Ben Askren, he does have what it takes, and he can turn things around. But here's a problem to that. He doesn't believe he can turn things around. And I think that's where the hindrance is. And that's why I think he should do what he's thinking about doing and retiring. Because he knows that he's not on the level. And... Being in the octagon and losing the way he does did the last couple times, those are traumatic experiences. And every single time you have one of those big knockouts or big losses where you have, you know, you, you get traumatized. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's PTSD to the fullest. And next time you have to fight and you're in a situation like that, that's going to play back into your mind. So now he doesn't have the confidence. He he knows that his skill is not on the level I don't think he has what it takes to compete at that level anymore. So I think that he might he might be right. He might need to either take some time off and, and, and kind of build his confidence back or or just step away totally. 
Can we trace this all back to the Jordan Burroughs loss? Oh, <laughs> like my when God. he lost him in a he wrestling match. Beat, oh, and and, and, Jer- and Jer- Jordan Burroughs, he beat the dog snake out of him. He 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 pushed him. <laughs> it was bad. That was personal. Like, but I'm saying, but he had so much confidence about just being an, an un- unstoppable force as a wrestler, and yeah. then he just got absolutely humbled by an Olympian now, like a, a newer version of or a newer Olympian or more recent Olympian, I should say. And then gets the knee to the head. And now it's just all seems to be losing. Like he doesn't have it mentally right now. It doesn't feel like, like you said. Yeah, he, he's, he's, mentally, he's mentally not there. And when you're losing like that and when you're having to get filled in what happened to you from your corner because you've been knocked out in a fight, that doesn't play well for your confidence level. And it leaves you feeling like, man, maybe I shouldn't be doing this anymore. You know, it, it, that happens. Interesting, interesting. Um, I'm about to tell you something, though, that may not may not seem – like it makes sense because I'm sitting there, yes, kind of questioning if Askren ever was, right? Yet at the same time, when you look at this trade, the trade that bought Brent Askren out of retirement, out of a one championship deal to the Octagon and sent arguably your pound for pound king and one of the goats, Demetrius Johnson, who I didn't actually think lost to triple cringe, by the way. Um, this trade happened. DJ to one, Ben Askren to UFC. DJ's unbeaten on that side. Ben Askren's one and two might even be retiring on this side. Yet at the same damn time, guys, UFC won this trade. They won the damn trade. It's not fair. I get what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, because 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 you, you're getting you're getting the excitement and everything that Askren is bringing. I get that. Well, you don't get Masvidal and Diaz without Ben Askren. Right, right. I, I get that. I get that. So it's not fair. But people have cared about these three fights for Askren and the trash talking he brought into it, and the oh my god, I got to see this guy finally back it up after years of fighting Dana. And by the way, Ben did perform well at these press conferences and really begin to sell this thing. Unfortunately, guys, they cared way more than DJ defending the title in UFC on a UFC fight night card. But see, here's the and thing that about sucks, it. though. That sucks. Oh, but but here's here, here's my thing against what you're saying. I, I think that they end up losing the trade because I think that what I think that they they pulled out a little too. Uh, I think they, they 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 walked away from DJ a little too early before the weight class got a chance to mature and be what it is right now. I think right now he has a legitimate contenders that would have made 125, that 135, really really interesting to watch. You know, I think that is the problem that when DJ was there that made it so lackluster. But now the way if you inject DJ in there now, oh, you're gonna have some great fights. That that's interesting, and I still lament as a fan never seeing. Still yet to be solved that flyweight DJ move up to Bantamweight and really go after those like career defining opportunities. Um, but like from the standpoint of people even watching and carrying out, like how many people do you think watched Demetrius Johnson's fights in one up to this point? I know that it's, it's hard to say that because they just had their first U.S. car or first card that aired live in primetime on the U.S. on television. They haven't made their U.S. invasion yet, but, uh, like DJ fits that that exclusive boutique over there at one nicely, but even if Askren never fights again, like UFC was never gonna do right by him. And you can say that they tried. You can say that they gave DJ every chance to to make people care, and he couldn't for whatever reason. 
but like they didn't give me even the Burrell treatment, right? Dana never made the rounds and was like, this guy's the best fighter in the world. You need to understand what you're not seeing. They sort of were like, ah, hey, he doesn't draw. Let's let's send him over to Kansas City on a fight night, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I the problem with your argument is that you have no idea what the Japan television numbers are, and he might be getting to a bigger audience than he was here. Yeah, but to make the argument that one won that trade, Wow, how about that right there? Wow. Um, you'd have to sort of argue that they are in a better place for having added DJ than they would have been with just letting Askren stay retired. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it, if, if, if it would be that different. I would just say I feel like they don't get the TV deals that they got in the U.S. done without those three names, at least from UFC. That's fair. There's something fair in that. I like I like where you're going with that. Um, Just leave it a fair. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. If Ben wants to walk away, Ben Askren, I'm I'm for it. I'd like to see him take time off, like Rashad mentioned. Just kind of figure everything out. I'd also like to see him, you know, come back and, and get a win on his own terms, and then maybe walk away after that. I don't know. I mean, guys, like if Jorge Masvidal loses on Saturday, you can't tell me that Askren wouldn't want a rematch with him, and that they couldn't roll that thing all the way back out and you'd really have those same feelings of like, what is this going to look like? Right? Yeah. I think, I think for Askren, the best move he should do is take at least a few months off, maybe, maybe six months, maybe eight months, maybe a year off and just work on just one, two <laughs> simple, <laughs> simple one, two moving your feet. Because I think when it comes down to it, I think he's going to open up a whole nother level of his game once he figures out just a fractional of the timing, the 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 things that come along with having a well a well uh, put together stand up, you know. And I think that's what's really missing in his game. And now he's on this level is being exposed. I think that's I think that's fair. Uh, nothing else happened in Singapore that we need to talk about here, right? Right, Brandon. Keep me in line here. Nope. I mean, Michael Johnson. That was a great fight. Michael Johnson and, and uh, Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray. That was a great fight. Majority I thought Michael Johnson and... got robbed. I thought he got robbed. I thought he definitely won that fight, but uh, it was a great fight nonetheless. I, the first thing I did when I woke up was watch Random Marcos and Ashley Yoder. A uh, little, little fun little action there. Hey, they, they let the hands go. Uh, Random Marcos, <laughs> isn't that uh, Gareth A. Davis's favorite fighter, Brendan? That is Gareth A. Davis. Gareth A. Davis. He may have made an inappropriate pass at her. I, I can't comply. I can't. You know, I can't say that publicly, but he may have. It, it was. It was. Fun. That guy's wild, Rashad. You used to do some MMA live on ESPN with that guy. He's a wild guy. The damn warlock. Love that man. Oh, I one other thing deep on this undercard, but it's getting love. You know, I love me some women's strawweights. And can I pronounce it Loma Luke Boonmi? Did you see this performance from her in her UFC debut? Blow away. Not blow. I mean, it's a split decision in the end, but in terms of a highlight package against Alexandra Albu, do you are you guys woke to what I'm talking about to this fighter from Thailand? I did not. No, see this, we missed no. it. Okay, you need to check Loma. Her name is Loma Lukbunmi. I know I'm butchering that. She's the first Thai fighter to fight in the octagon, and the the assortment of moves of of striking of varied striking that she was doing with all four limbs was very fun to watch. Rashad, you don't often see. People make that tie jump like this, right? And, and and just bring those same sort of skills into this. That and it was seamless. She ends up getting a split decision in a somewhat closest fight, but two of those three judges had it thirty twenty seven in her favor. So I think the third one got it way wrong. 
Yeah, that's, that's interesting. A lot of times you see people who do Thai, you know, they stay, they, they're stand up, you know, they're too straight up. So it makes it so they're easy to take down. So some don't really adjust too well to the wrestling, but that's that's phenomenal. That's it. All right. Loaded weekend for Bellator this past week. We heard, of course, from Rory McDonald and Douglas Lima on the show last week. Hey, heck, we heard from Jake Hager. We heard Jake Hager give us the breakdown behind one of the greatest, probably the best MMA promo of the year. You know what? I'm rock hard right now with emotion. I got a phoner. So if you're, wow, if you're scoring at home, Rashad, a phoner per Jake Hager is a fight boner. <laughs> That's funny. That's uh, Brandon, did you have a phoner at all watching UFC 231? I'm sorry, Bellator 231. Sorry about that. What are you talking about? Um, No, I did not watch. I watched the prelims, and that was it. All right. Not much to report there from the rematch that was unneeded between Frank Mir and Roy Nelson. Jake Hager in his third MMA fight knees some dude in the balls. Um, It's a no contest. That dude took a fall. Jake Hager's clowning the guy on Twitter with a bunch of ball references. This guy, Anthony Garrett, took a fall, Brandon. Two knee strikes to the groin. I get it, but like that guy was like, I'm not coming back out for this. Was yeah, he, that's, that's was weak. He losing? That, that is weak. That's weak. That's weak. I Listen, thought he was. Well, it was only a, two minutes into the fight. Nothing had really here's happened. A, here's a bottom. You have a cup on. It's not like you're not wearing anything. You have a cup on. If, you, if you're smart, you, you wear a steel cup, and it doesn't hurt that bad. I mean, sometimes you can have a little space, and it jams and boys up, but for the most part, that's a rare occasion. You know, some, some – most of the time when I train, I don't even wear a cup. Wow. Wow, that's ballsy of you. Yeah, wow. You, oh, is, this a, is this a paid ad? You, well, I rub some, some nut rub on there from ballsy.com, and that's all I need. Um, shout out to 365. Brandon's boy, uh, Big Steve Mowry at heavyweight, gets a uh, second-round submission win over a man named Gokan. You fired up for that, guys, over there at 365? Yeah, he looks really good. Definitely, I mean, definitely. Tall Steve is one of those guys who's going to continue to grow. I mean, his his ground game is 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 head and above, head and shoulders above a lot of guys in the weight class. But you know, he's got some sneaky good skills that he's still yet to show. And when he finally gets comfortable in there, gets more octagon time, and I'm not done, more and more cage time in there, he's going to start to develop and feel more comfortable to let his hands go. Because in training, when I'm training with this dude, I'm like, dude, how are you just not knocking people out? Because he's phenomenal in training. All right, matchup Monday. Tall Steve Mowry against Jake Hager. Who you got? I mean, I think Steve wins that fight. I don't think. Steve, I don't think. Steve. I don't think Hager. Does Hager have a stand-up game? No, but he's a former decorated wrestler at Oklahoma, right? Six. I mean, six, eight? I feel like I feel like Steve would just keep him on his feet. All right. Like, I don't think Hager would be able to take him down. Uh, Phil Davis bounces back with a nice TKO of Carl Albrechtson. Did you guys watch Ed Ruth's comeback here? Against Jason Jackson, Ruth hanging on for a split decision, but this guy, Jason Jackson, who I'd never heard of coming to this fight, lit him up with combinations, but, rocked him, dropped him at one point. Rashad, do you know anything about Jason Jackson? Of course. Jason Jackson is my teammate. I was telling you last night. That was my honorable. I mean, not last night, last That's week. That's the guy you mentioned at last week's show. Yes. Jason, I said, watch out for Jason Jackson. I said, you know, he's, he's Adam Borix for his weight class, and he came up a little bit short, but uh, you know, he, he's got a lot of excitement and, um, you know, he, he's the thing about Jason Jackson is that even though he had this loss, you know, he's always a positive guy and he, and he take, he took, uh, whatever it was out of this fight and he says, you know what? I lost this fight. I'm going to get better. And when you have a mindset like that 
you know, sky is the limit because the sooner you can face a loss, the better you can, the more you can, the faster you can get over it and improve on the areas where uh, cost you the loss. I thought he had an argument to have won this fight considering the damage he put on Ruth. And here's the thing about Ed Ruth. Like, we, we love this guy coming into that Bellator welterweight Grand Prix, which, of course, uh, you know, we saw the final on Saturday. I remember saying, he may be that wild card. Like, we don't know how good he's going to be with that Penn State wrestling background until he puts puts it out there against real competition. In the end, he got submitted in the first round against Neiman Gracie. And now, after bouncing back with a TKO, he barely hangs on with the split decision. Rashad, if you're looking at Ed Ruth as a prospect, he's in love with his stand-up game. Um, Hey, bro, like, get Aaron Pico on the line, and you guys can both talk about how important it is when you're wrestlers to wrestle. Yeah, you have to get back to the wrestling. And here's the thing about it. The longer you stay away from the wrestling, the worse you're going to get. Because the funniest thing happens when you start doing MMA and you're a wrestler. You get easy takedowns, and the takedowns become very, very easy. But then you get used to doing MMA technique wrestling takedowns. And MMA technique wrestling takedowns, they're not the highest efficient takedowns. You know, you're not going to be – they're not the – Olympic wrestling level takedown. So you're not going to, your, your wrestling uh, skills are getting worse and worse. And the longer you stay away from that, the more you don't work in your transitions from your strikings to your takedowns, then it gets a harder bridge to cross. And I think that Ed Ruth has to take some time to be like, listen, I have my wrestling, but now he just needs that, that the little in between the glue from a strike into his wrestling. Indeed. Uh, nice looking performance there. I mean, look, when Rashad speaks on this show, I don't think we, uh, you need, I mean, Brandon, you got to respect this guy next to you more, right? <laughs> these, these are Hall of Fame takes. I need to respect him more. You're the one yelling at him. <laughs> How, dare How dare you? All right. Um, also, uh, let's go to 232. I was there in attendance, Mohegan Sun Arena, fired up like everybody else to see this welterweight title rematch. Rory, Lima, Douglas Lima trying to become a three-time champion. Rory trying to put a rough two years behind him from the loss to Musasi to that draw with Fitch in that infamous interview. Uh, this was a boring-ass fight, guys. No disrespect here. Crowd booing the whole time. Yet with that said, Douglas Lima only continued to climb that ladder and make that leap. Gets a unanimous decision. I had it three rounds to two. Two of the three judges had it 5-0. But one thing that Douglas Lima did to win this fight and and kind of was one of the reasons this fight lacked any kind of type of excitement compared to the first one is he stuffed the crap out of Rory McDonald's takedown attempts. And Rashad, you remember that first fight. And Lima said it on this pod last week. That fifth round haunts him. Rory took him down. The fight was up for grabs. Lima could not get up. Talk about this man's evolution to say, okay, that's the hole in my game. Fixed it, brother. That's huge. That is absolutely huge because it's one thing to, you know, be haunted by it, but it's another thing to work diligently uh, and, and improve on such a drastic level where you're not even getting taken down anymore. Like, like Rory couldn't even smell a takedown on this guy. Every single time he touched his hips, he was heavy hips pushing him away and, and coming right back out and answering with a jab every single time. So that that that's one reason that I like that uh, Lehman was doing. You know, he would stuff a shot and then as soon as he would break, He'll pop Rory with a jab. And, and and those started to add up and then it started to break Rory's confidence when it came to taking that shot. But more importantly, when Rory finally did get him down to the ground, he just rolled right through and it was all for nothing. And he ended up on top. But I think one of the biggest things that that was, 
in Lima's favor for a reason why he wasn't able to get taken down was the fact that Lima just looked a little bit bigger than, than Rory out there and just looked a little stronger. Rory didn't look like he was as strong as he needed to be to enforce that, that bullying type of wrestling game. And then, not for nothing, I didn't like where Rory's head position was at when he was taking a shot. I thought he was had his head position in the wrong side, which made it easier for Lima to just push his head to the side and get to an angle. Yeah, and and I didn't even like Rory's mindset after because you know he's he was very humble. Rory's a great dude, and he was humble afterwards in sort of saying, you know, I thought I you know credit to Lima, but I thought I'd done enough. How could Rory have thought he'd done enough? How could he have lived in a, in a state of confidence when? Everything you just mentioned, every every takedown got stuffed, and then Lima was doing well to throw in some little punches there. I didn't see really any offense from Rory. The entire first four rounds have any form of effect. I know there was a couple, you know, jabs or an overhand right here or there, but, like, few and far between. Credit to both guys with the fight up for grabs in round five. You finally saw an exciting round. Both sort of went for it. But Rory's 30 years old. This was the last fight of his Bellator deal. If you... Saw his comments from the post-fight press conference. He did say, I want to resign. We'll, you know, we'll sit down at the table because I want the trilogy with Lima. But this was troubling, guys. This wasn't so much troubling from the, the John Fitch interview hangover where you're like, man, I don't think he should be in there if he, if he, if he doesn't feel like he can inflict damage on someone anymore. He said on the show last week, God's healed me of that and, 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 and given me the confidence. And, that, and you know, that's fine. But Rashad, like mentally, he, he's not the same. He's just not. There was no like urgency in this fight. No, nah, there, there really wasn't an urgency in the fight. And I think that part of it just because of the fact that he never got into his flow. You know, I've always felt that Rory was a momentum fighter. And then when he got into his flow, you've seen a different kind of fighter. I always can tell what kind of fight Rory is by looking at his face. And he doesn't give him much expression, but when he's getting his butt kicked, he almost like has like a, a pouting, you know what I'm saying? Kind of a you can you can tell when he's when he's losing a fight. He just doesn't have the same uh, energy about himself but i think that the problem with rory is the fact that whenever he was able to dominate with his wrestling it was always based off that money jab that he had that yes. money jab and and he didn't have that jab he didn't have that fake and faint so there was no there, there was no fooling uh liam about what he was going to do lima knew he had to just defend the shot and and when rory starts putting his technique together that's the dangerous worry. That's the dangerous worry who, who, who will be able to take advantage of a Lima and be able to get him down to the ground. But Rory just looking for the takedown? No. And if we, if, to try to play psychologist for a second, you mentioned he never got into a flow in terms of an offensive rhythm to build that confidence to want to do more. He also never really took like enough significant damage to wake him up either. And Rory's one of those guys go back to that first fight when his, when his leg had a, had a, uh, had a son growing out of it. When he's hurt, he's able to sort of quiet himself and stay with the game plan and do some great things. He was never really hurt in this fight, so I think he lulled himself into some form of, of confidence that he was ahead. Brandon, was this fight as boring to watch on the screen as, as I was, cage side? Were you as disappointed with it, or were you able to see, oh, Lima's got this fight controlled? Because I was a little nervous. I didn't think either guy deserved to win it at certain points of this fight. Yeah, it was it was a tough watch on TV, especially given the day of combat that we had where it was just a, a grind throughout the 24 hours or 16 hours, however you want to call it. Um, yeah, it was just like, like you're saying, I understand like Lima just didn't need to press the gas too much. Like he knew the position that he had and that he was winning rounds, but he didn't make it fun for fans. Like 
people came in expecting to see that MVP type knockout or or just the highlight reels that we've been getting from Douglas and he knew he didn't need to, to press it like that to get a win and props to him for figuring it out because after that first fight we weren't sure if he was going to be able to figure it out and he put the game plan together that he needed and prevented every takedown attempt from Rory. And it was a very cerebral performance from Doug Lima. And when, you know, something we talked about last week, he's gotten better little by little by little by little. Now, Rashad, let's do that game. Let's put him in the mythical octagon against the top three or four UFC welterweights or the be- any, you know, any organization, the best damn welterweights in the world. How high up are you willing to put Doug Lima now after destroying Koreshkov in that trilogy fight, knocking out MVP, and then putting forth a performance here that was so smart, that was so technical, that cut off all the corners to prevent Rory from doing anything. Can this guy compete with the Masvidal's, the Colby's, the Usman's, the Woodley's in your eyes? I think he absolutely can. And I think one reason why is because, you know, like I was saying earlier, he has that size and he's a strong guy with some good stand-up and he has explosive technique. You know, and with great takedown defense, you know, he has all the tools to compete with guys in the upper weight class. I mean, in, in that weight class, because those guys are it's, it's a heavy, uh, you know, the top two guys, are heavy dominated wrestlers. But at the same time, you know, when you have Lima being able to stop punches, stop those takedowns and then still inflict damage and has that size. I think he'd be he'd be tough at, in the UFC. Man, I'd love to see that. But just the same, he's been loyal to Bellator. He's done things the right way. I was happy to see him get that $1 million check. Confetti streamers falling from the sky. Good moment there for Doug Lima. Uh, Brandon, you have any closing thoughts on Rory? Um, people, I think, you know, rightfully concerned and saying, you know, maybe, maybe you shouldn't resi- resign. Is there, are we missing the opportunity that he might hit the free, the free and open market and end up somewhere but else but Bellator or elsewhere but retirement? Uh, I just don't know what's left for him to do at this point. He's kind of proven what he is. He's a top 10 welterweight in the world. He went through hell against Robbie Lawler, delivered one of those just great MMA moments that's going to live on forever. He then goes to Bellator, gets more money, I'm hoping, anyway, for him. And he wins the belt and then defends it twice in this tournament before losing a tough fight against somebody like Douglas Lima. If retirement is not what's next, I hope they run a trilogy fight because it would only make sense to me for those two to go at it again, given the two fights that they've had. But outside of that, I mean, I'm not really interested in Rory fighting celebrity names or becoming just like somebody who hangs on at the end just to hang on. It's interesting. I'd watch him fight Dylan Danis tomorrow. God, he was another one on Saturday talking a lot of trash after the Askren and Maya fight yeah. saying that he's the best grappler in the world. That's how he lives his life. Uh, co-main event at 231 was uh, Semtex Daily bringing back the bang late replacement because uh, what's that fellow's name fell off. Sadawad takes the fight on four days notice and gets sent to hell via old school Paul Daly left hook. Uh, Rashad, respect where it's due. When you look at the the one punch memory makers in modern MMA, Paul Daly's in there, man. Oh, yeah, he's got a one-hitter quitter, man. He'll put anybody out. And the thing about it is he always makes it exciting. You're not going to see you know, you're not going to see a, a boring one out of him. You know, rather he's getting served up or serving somebody up, he, he brings it. Now, how did you guys not wake me up to Patchy Mix, the Bantamweight? I know nothing about this guy coming Patchy. in. 
Rashad, did you see Patrick Mix's first round submission against Isaiah Chapman? Wikipedia's uh, calling it a knee bar. No, dude, it was what was that? The so, the Soli roll. Basically, it looks like if you were entered in, if you were how how what's the PC way to say this, Brandon? Have you ever seen a woman put her leg behind her head and there was a pole involved? That's what he did to Isaiah Chapman right there. Good God, what's that submission called? It was brutal. It's a Sulev stretch, dude. It's a hamstring stretch. It looked like out of the Kama Sutra book. That was insane. It was absolutely insane, man. But just the imagination of a young guy like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's not typically – that's not a submission you learn in training. But you're like, okay, I got the body lock. Let me go ahead and just reach here and grab this leg all the way out. And like, oh, he's not moving it? Oh, let me just – it, it it was creative, and uh, it, it was awesome. It absolutely was awesome. Loved loved seeing that. Uh, tough night for Nick Newell, his second fight with Bellator, and his first on that new four-fight deal. He went in there against a guy with a 10-6 and six record, Manny Morrow, at lightweight, loses a split decision. Basically, Newell came out guns blazing, nearly had him finish in round one, was using the left arm, which obviously, as you know, doesn't have a hand on it, has a stub, and was using that to hit ground upon. He looked great. And I think he kind of shot his load and Manny Morrow took to his credit, outworked him down the stretch there pro Nick Newell crowd there in Connecticut. But I mean, Nick Newell is what he is, right guys. This is a bad loss though, to be really honest with you, even with the idea that Bellator's kind of doing the right thing, giving him a platform. Newell's fun to watch, but good God. I mean, it must've been a long conversation when uh, Newell called for the Uber and, and Manny Morrow picked him up. <laughs> Yeah, but listen, I mean, this guy didn't have the name, but I mean, the, the, he was scrappy. He was scrappy. And, and, and knew, I, I was impressed with Newell, though. I was impressed with Newell. He was tough, but it's just, you know, like you said, he, he just went a little too hard, a little too early, and, and Buddy Al survived him. That's it, Brandon? That's all you got for me? No, 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 no deep analysis here? Shaking your head? Nothing? Nothing? All right. So many bad things that you have said today. All right. Uh, well, Kimbo Slice Jr., Kevin Ferguson Jr., Baby Slice is what they're full-time calling him. Uh, looked like he had a first-round stoppage over my cousin Craig Campbell in their catchweight bout. Later, shout-out to Mike Mazzulli and the Mohegan Commission for rightfully overturning this into a no contest because Baby Slice dropping those 12 sixes like it's his job to the top of the head, to the air with the elbows, and then about five rabbit punches. Brandon, you were hitting me up live on Slack going, like, did no one in that arena notice, like, <laughs> 17 consecutive illegal blows? I'm like, I did the uh, It's Bellator shrug, which is, you know, basically, you know, anything goes. We're lucky that no one had a cardiac arrest. Um, Good for MMA that they turned this thing around. God, yeah, such I, a horrible reference seen, for you to I make. Seen, I seen that highlight. I was like, man, he he uh, <laughs> he dusted him off with those elbows, but it looked like the initial one to start him with the whole dizziness. It didn't look. It looked like it was on the line, but I mean, but it's a it, twelve to six yeah, to yeah, the back of the yeah, head. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 bad. All right, let's hit up some latest news. I, I'm too excited. I need to get into UFC 244. I need to break this ish down. But we got some things going on, Brandon. Um. I don't really like to speak on this because this pisses me off how many people are running with this headline. Tyson Fury, the lineal boxing heavyweight champion who has a WWE match on Thursday on Halloween in Saudi Arabia, by the way, says he's been talking to Conor McGregor who will train him for a potential MMA run next. Like maybe before this February rematch with Deontay. Well, like just shut the hell up. Dude, I love me some Tyson Fury, but shut the hell up listen i love tyson fury i love his i love i love his style man but here's the reality 
stick to boxing right now. Like, like, bro, like, bro, you're, 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 you're there. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're gonna be world champ if you know because if, if anything, he, 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 he gave Deontay Wilder his toughest fight, and that's the fight. You know, we want to see that again, and and I, and I believe, you know, Tyson, Tyson can beat him. Tyson can beat him, but. With all this extracurricular, all these other things out the wrestling and this, that, and the other, man, that that's that's how you, you you drain that that battery really quick, you know. When when you're not when you're when you're expending your energy doing all these other things, man, you, you can't focus on your main source, of your main craft like you you should. And and I think that's a mistake that Tyson is making. Also, he's gonna make more money boxing than playing in MMA. Oh. Way more. <laughs> it's, just, it's just it's lame timing. Meaning, like, look, this guy calls himself a fighting man. I'll fight till I die. Like, I believe that there's no shame in this guy, and he's so you know pro gypsy culture and all that. And I and I love it. I mean, look, you got to love the guy. So what that means is, if he's forty and needs money, I would never, ever, ever doubt that we'll see him in the damn BKFC or even see him in an MMA fight one day. Not now, though. Not now when he's the damn lineal heavyweight champion and getting a probably a, a disgusting payday from the Saudi government to do this WWE match. Like, no, stop. It's just so, like, Floyd lame crap that people sit jump down. at. That's, yeah, sit down. Else, I'll whip your ass in the octagon, bitch. No, 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 mf -er. You ain't doing shit. Like, sorry, you're not going to do that. So you're not even going to go to Bellator and fight Nick Newell. You wouldn't even do that. Like, you're not going to do this shit. So stop. Fury, stop. Editors, stop chasing that click-ish. Did we write that on the show? Because I'll, I'll out everybody. Did we write that on our site? No, right? BC, BC, take a breath. <laughs> just, just relax for a second. I'm worried about your blood pressure right now. This is, you okay? I whooped that ass. I, I, I just whooped that ass. All right, all right. Uh, also in the news cycle, um, I can't get I know it's not MMA, but this Oscar De La Hoya sexual uh, assault thing accusation is cringy. Did you read the fine details on it? Yeah, you sent them to me. There's a fist involved. Damn, right? Can we just leave that, that? Leave that on the table there. Not yeah. not touching that one. Um, what do you to do with that? Did we? When did we talk about this? This Conor McGregor setting that January 18th date. We did not. First of all, he had to dodge a shoe. I think in that uh, in that appearance in in Russia when somebody oh, threw something man. at him. Second of all, Conor. Announces he has a January 18th date at T-Mobile Arena to headline a pay-per-view in his comeback. Says he has an opponent. Then says, I won't tell you because the UFC will then change it on me. Dana White tells Brett Okamoto, our boy at ESPN, uh, we, this is not, this is not true. Like, this is not, uh, been confirmed. Guys, who's right? Do you care? What do you think? Does it have to be Cowboy or, or Gage G? What the hell's going on here? Rashad, put us in our place here. Um, uh... I mean, it, it, it seems like it's Cowboy with the whole post that, that uh, Cowboy tweeted, you know, with the whole uh, proper 12 and his Budweiser. But um, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know because it, it seems that the UFC, they're kind of slow playing Connor right now. You know, they're kind of slow playing him right now. He really wants to get back in there. But I think the UFC kind of slow playing him to kind of see how everything works out with all his troubles that he got into outside the octagon. And it, and it was evident to see when he went to Russia on his Russian tour, that a lot of those things were on the forefront of a lot of the, me the media's uh, minds. And, and um, you know, it, it's hard to do the kind of press and it's hard to, you know, talk the trash that you hear Connor talk when you have these allegations and you have all these, 
you know, bad things that he's done lately, you know, and and I think that's one thing that Connor is going to have to realize, you know, when, when he's coming back, you know, he might need to just I, I honestly I don't even know, because, you know, his whole shtick is this whole talking trash thing. But now it seems like he's going to be going against himself in a way that he's never had to before. And I think that that may be something harder for him to get over because he's never had to beat himself. He's always had the most belief in himself and, and, and made us believe because he believed in himself so much. But a Connor who is not believing in himself, a Connor who is not as confident as he, as, as he was before, is not a Connor that I believe will be the Connor that we used to seeing. Hey, well, set your schedules, Brandon, for January 18th, right? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. Um, it'll be interesting. There, this is going to be, this is, look, you know, we're, we're all sick of this McGregor game. If, if all the sexual assault stuff is true, it's despicable. But him coming back in, not knowing if he'll be there mentally, knowing that any fight could turn bad at the same time, the names that we're talking about are guys that walk forward into that left hand. It's theater. We got to be there. We got to see it, bro. Yeah, we do. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. wow. Brandon <laughs> making a political stand here. Wow. Okay. It's just like he's such a jerk. And people like somebody tried to ask him about what's going on with these allegations in Ireland. And he basically just was like, nope, I've, I know who you are. You do this every time. Next question. It was like, okay, dude, like these are legitimate questions that people have to ask you now because of what's going on. And you don't want to answer them. That's fine. But don't be a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, dude, why don't you go back to the park, you know? You're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. All right. Um, Other news, Brandon, you want to talk about red panties night. Dude, all hands on deck. Heck, all hands on dick. UFC 245 is loaded, brother. Loaded. No more dick pills. No, we need more, John. We need more. We need more. Uh, You already knew about the three title fights. Now it's Bantamweight Bonanza season. When Jose Aldo, all abs, Jose Aldo cuts down to 35 to take on Marlon Marais. Wow. And P- P- Brandon, your adult son, Petra Jan against Mr. Faber. Dude, they're matchmaking inside my pants right now. This is fantastic. It's going to be so great, man. Like the fact that they managed to pull this off for the final card of the year, the final pay-per-view card of the year. And yeah. It's uh, it's an all bantamweight show getting ready for somebody to take the next shot at Henry Cejudo. It's going to be amazing, even though I am somewhat worried about what Jose Aldo looks like at 135, because it's not like he was a big or a small 145 or like that dude was pretty small for that weight class or big for that weight class anyway. You know what? Th- this 135 weight class is starting to remind me a lot of the 155 weight class just because it's starting to have those killers and those 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 guys that you just want to see. I mean, this Peter Yan and Uriah Faber, man, I, I love this fight. I mean, Peter Yan, Petra Yan is, is one of the guys that I believe is one of the best in the division. And Uriah showed something in his last comeback, but I feel like this might be a little too hard for Uriah out there. Like, but this is what you asked for, right? Because you said I know, I know. you said that he needs to get one more before he gets another title shot if they're going to actually do that. And I, this is as tough as it gets. It, uh, gosh, I, I guess I guess baptism before by, by fire. <laughs> but the, and and, and, that, and to your point, that's how tough this weight class is. Where 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 the next in line to even get considered or even get people interested is a guy like Petra Yan, who is one of the best combination punchers that I've seen in the game. 
Yeah, and please call him Peter. Well, let's not play their game. With <laughs> one time he's Peyote one minute, then he's Petro. Like they're all over the board on that. <laughs> By the way, I got a fantastic photo in my phone here, uh, Rashad. I love to tell this story at uh, at UFC in Vegas over the summer when Brandon and I ran into Petra Jan. And look, look, Rashad, we're, we're journalists, right? We're quote, quote unquote journalists. Look, we're freaking fans, all right? We love this game. I love me some fighters. Like Luke Rockhold broke my heart. Wouldn't let me see the DMs. Before that, I'm Luke Rockhold super fan number 99. This guy, Brandon, next to you, loves him some Petra Jan. And we run into him in the New York, New York casino on the floor. And I'm like, bro, and he's like, look, it's Peter. I'm like, dude, that's your adult son. Let's go over. Let's get a picture. Dude, Jan no-sold the shit out of us. He was like weekend at Bernie's, like a corpse in that picture, while Brandon's yeah, all 10-gallon yeah. smile. But Brandon didn't want to do it. I had to initiate it. I had to maybe, I had to lead you to the sex, Brandon. Maybe that's, maybe that's the energy that he felt. Maybe he's just like, oh, yeah, these guys probably don't even know who I am. Yeah, hold yeah. up the picture. Hold him up. Hold up the picture. I'm trying to find picture. it here. Jan was like, Jan. He was like, get out of here, guys. I'm, I got some, some uh, Euro it's chicks to pick up. also 1230 at night. Where is this? What, what month was that? July? I don't even know where I am right now. I'll find it. I'll find oh, it. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm in the zone. I'm in the zone. Hold on. I'm, hold on. Okay. Tell me if this is uh, seeable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at that look on Jan. He's just like, get this tall honky away from me. Wow, love that picture. Love it. Wow. Rashad, you got any weird stories of meeting fans? I mean, I'm sure everywhere you go, you know, there's I a mean, dude sitting there with an affliction shirt going, yeah, brother. I mean, do, is there any times it gets creepy? Yeah, I mean, it, it gets creepy a lot. I mean, <laughs> it gets creepy because people, because people, they don't, they don't, um, they don't care sometimes, you know? They don't care, and and they're very uh, demanding when they see you. You know, they they want their picture, and they don't care whatever you got going on. They just want their picture. All right, where's the weirdest place somebody's asked you to take a picture? Oh, the bathroom when I'm when I'm <laughs> using oh, the urinal. God. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That, sounds that, that right. qualifies. Yep. Yep. Uh, do you get in MMA? Do you get like the obvious guy who's having you sign some picture of something, and then is going to run right to eBay and sell it? Do you uh, get a lot of that? All the time, all the time, all the time. The guys are standing in front of the hotel and they have like 18 different pictures of you. And you're just like, man, you're going to sign all these? Yeah, please. I'm like, no. <laughs> all right. What about the, 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 the number one sin? Do they ever show you a picture of you like on the ground yeah. next to Leoto? Oh, oh, so so the one time in Puerto Rico, somebody did that. Somebody came up. And I, and and I, and I've and I've been pretty cool. Like I, I accepted the loss, and I'm over it. I even joke about it myself, whatever case may be. So I felt like I was over it. But then when he came with that picture, I was just like, you know, I was in fight camp, and I just my my hand almost just smacked the hell out of him by itself. It almost did it by itself. I had to catch it in midair. Midair, I had to catch it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, whoever that fan was out there. Like, come on, man. You're going to do what I want you to do. And that's just the bottom line. Like, yeah, that, that's it right there. Get out of my face. All right, guys. Uh, two, four, four time. Get fired up. The fourth trip, like I mentioned, of UFC to this building. Uh, look, this is the biggest story of the week. Let's start right here. We're lucky to have this main event. We're lucky that this didn't turn into UFC fight night in New York because Nate Diaz last week outs himself on Twitter. Wow. About a potential cryptic violation for what he called probably maybe probably a uh tainted supplement he mentioned he's using the vegan kind from whole foods so there's a nice little sponsor shout out there and in almost unprecedented fashion 
including him mentioning in that long tweet that UFC and USADA essentially asked him to keep it quiet. We'll deal with it after the card. He says, no, I'm not fighting until you clear my name. Wow, that's some BMF action right there. In like unprecedented 24-hour action, Diaz is cleared, the sample's tested, and is cleared as tainted, and we got ourselves a fight. But I don't know. I've been very... uh, very skeptical of USADA since day one-ish. And that's because I am a boxing journalist. And USADA does not, did not, never did have a good name in the boxing drug testing game. Yet then they sign up with UFC and now they're in Abin. I mean, look, if you if you sneeze into your own piss, they're going to catch you for something. And I don't like the star treatment. Like, should I be happy that they saved this card on 24 hours notice when other people get destroyed and get like I just don't even think they know what the hell they're doing Rashad you're a fighter you've been in this game what do you uh, think happened here what does this say about USADA I know I don't know at all I know I don't know the science but I'm not even confident USADA knows the science by some of the John Jones decisions they've made how did you read this situation I, I thought it was bad I thought it was bad now, I mean listen uh, they, they saved the card which I'm very happy they saved the card but at the end of the day, I think that they, they, they take a black eye that, that's going to come back and haunt them one day because of the fact that, you know, when, when you're not providing the same kind of treatment to everyone, then it makes it really hard for you to really enforce anything because, you know, the people can always say, well, well, what, what, there's always an exception to the rule. Why, how is there an exception to the rule? You know, I thought if, if, if this is the rules, then there can't be no exception to the rules or the rules mean nothing at all. And I think that's the problem that they're going to have is because, you know, when you're not enforcing the rules uh, across the board to everyone fairly, then I think that there becomes a problem when it comes to enforcing those rules. And uh, the USADA has shown the fact that they've been inconsistent with their their own rulemaking. So it, it just is just a bad stain and it makes it. And it makes it honestly so that it kind of defeats the purpose of even having USADA because the reason why you had USADA was just to 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 have the stamp that say okay everyone is complete uh, competing with with all fairness everyone's on the same fair playing field but if USADA is not even making sure that is a fact then what's the point of even having USADA? Well, anyone that's hearing this going, well, BC, tell me more. What's this boxing and USADA relationship? I don't know about that. I only know them as crackdown artists with the UFC. I'm not even going to bring up Floyd Mayweather's 19 days later TUE exemption for that IEV bag against Pacquiao. How about this stat that boxing journalist Thomas Hauser brought out last fall in his big expose? USADA has done 1,501 boxing drug tests between 2010 and 2018. 1,501. 1501. They've had one fail. Wow. And that fail, Eric Morales for Clint Buterall against Danny uh, Garcia, which, by the way, the New York Commission let him fight despite that somehow. um, That only came out because a journalist broke that story. So, dude, 1500 tests in boxing. Meanwhile, anytime you saw somebody pop in boxing, it's for VADA the Voluntary Anti-Doping Agency, which costs less than USADA, which does the carbon isotope testing, yet most promoters still use USADA. So you're telling me USADA and MMA is picking off people for like a half picogram from a vegan uh, supplement 
Yet in boxing through 1,500 tests, nobody's cut. Like, like, dude, dead giveaway. There's something wrong here. So, Brandon, when you see Kevin Ioli of Yahoo, and this isn't meant to witch hunt him per se, but he wrote the damn story saying this is this this proves this Nick Diaz proves situation proves that USADA has grown and evolved and they are ahead of the tester. You know, they're ahead of the cheaters like shut the hell up, bro. Yeah, that was the one where I was just like, are you serious right now? Like, how is that a thing when they basically I mean. They basically told Nate to keep quiet and we'll deal with this after the fight. It's like you're telling him that he has got an adverse finding that could stain his reputation as being a cheater, but you still want him to fight and then you want it to come out afterwards, even win or loss. Hey, by the way, he might have had an adverse finding like a week before the fight and now we're going through the whole process with that. No, it took Nate going out and being the <laughs> – the hero that we did. I know, realize. dude. How is Nate the hero? How has he turned it around where he's Robin Hood fighting against the thieves of the machine? Nate should be the yeah. contraband drug using dude who's hiding shit. No, he's saving the other fighters. What kind of weird world are we in, Rashad? This is ridiculous. He he's a Robin Hood. He's become he's he's now become the beacon of hope, the beacon of truth, because he stands up for himself and he stands up for what's right. And at the end of the day, you can see his integrity on the whole thing because he didn't want to just sit back and be like, no. He went in, he went and exposed the problem. Because here, here's a reality situation. If he did have something in his body that was abnormal, why are they letting him compete? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And 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 that and that's the problem with it all all all, all across the board is because if you're still gonna allow the athlete to compete if he has something in his body, then why are we even doing these tests in the first place? Look, exactly. I was happy to cover uh what was it? Uh what was that UFC in December? John Jones against um Got to, to, what was that? 229? No. Yeah, again. All right, I'm sorry. Um, 232, right? Gustafson Jones, too. Look, I was happy to cover that. Happy to see John Jones back. I always say I'd rather live in a world where these guys are fighting than not fighting. But that was sketchy as balls that, that Jones had his suspension cut down so much. Then they friggin' moved that card on six days' notice during Christmas week for one fighter. And then subsequently pulsing and popping for tests. And you saw just like, look, man, we can't explain it, but we're confident in the science that that this is not helping him. It's like, you don't dude, you don't know that. Like, it's just like when you realize that the testers have no idea what's going on, you can't write a column, Kevin Elliott, that says critics just don't understand the science. Bro, USADA doesn't understand the science, so that's where we're at. People get different treatment. Why ahead of UFC 200 did John Jones pop and got pulled from the card, but we're not going to find out Brock Lesnar's test results till after? Why was he given a three-month window to test rather than six? Like, Why was Floyd Mayweather allowed to set the announcement dates of his fight, and he would wait until 30 to 40 days before rather than announcing it six months before when he knew because USADA's at the wheel and shouldn't be. So... I, like what the hell? Like it's just. But you just hit on like a really good example. So the Brock Lesnar one sounds very similar to this test, mm-hmm. wherein they told him, "Hey, a week before, probably, hey, I we think that we might have found something in your test sample, but we're gonna let you fight anyway, and then we'll deal with the consequences later." Which in Brock's mind is like, "Okay, that's fine. I'm gonna take something the night of the fight anyway." Right. So it's like. Right. What are we doing here? Right, it's, it's 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 not it's not right. It's not right. And then if you're if you're meant to if, if the test and everything is meant to protect athletes because you don't want any, one athlete to be stronger or do any damage because he's stronger than the other athlete, then 
you know, you're, you're not doing that. So it's like they're they're not protecting the athletes. No, no, and, and it's like if let's just let's just call it for what it is. Let's just call it for what it is. And, and at the end of the day, it's like if we're going to do this testing and we're going to have everybody, and there's going to be a standard, then that standard has to be a standard that everybody follows, no matter what's on the line. Like, dude, they probably wrecked Shane o- Sugar Shane O'Malley's career for weed. Yeah, like for weed. he's been put, he's tested positive twice now. And he's been put on two separate six-month suspensions for marijuana. Four years just for weed? Damn! Like, and that's and that's just a USADA test. It's seen as an advantage, an adverse yeah. finding. It's like no, it's it's all BS. So here's the deal: when 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 Nate Diaz comes on the Monday teleconference yesterday, and essentially is like, "Look, guys, this is all a conspiracy." When Nate used to say things like that, look, a lot of us start chuckling. We're like, "Okay, here's just a dude." who thinks the world's against him, right? But no, he's actually got a history of his brother going through some ish. I mean, look, Nick Diaz basically got the five-year life suspension for weed. I know it's three times with weed, and I know that our society and, and acceptance of that specific drug has changed a lot, but you understand what he's going through. But Nate came out Monday and was like, no, I think UFC and USADA made this shit up, that there was no adverse finding, and if I didn't take this stand... And look, you don't think Nate's not a BMF. He he saved this card in his own and saved his own name. He strong-held the entire UFC with that tweet. Very few people have the balls to do that. Very less have the leverage and the, the ability to pull this off. But, like, when he comes out and says, I don't even think I popped for anything, and they and they did that. Now, look, that's a, that's a, that's a big statement. But tell me if I'm wrong, guys. I'm not saying like that's true and I believe him, but I wouldn't I, like I'm at a point where I don't know what to believe anymore. When he's saying crazy conspiracy stuff like that, I'm like, you know what? I got to see proof before I'm going to say that's not happening. I, I totally agree. And especially with the fact that it, there seems to be something, something fishy going on. It doesn't it doesn't seem to be right. Everything doesn't seem to be adding up because, you know, like you said, you know, a lot of people, they get popped and it takes a long time for it to be cleared up for them to get vindicated. Uh for, for whatever they, they've done or whatever been accused of doing. But, you know, this situation in, in, in the quick time is it's not right. Well, luckily we had – luckily it's still on because uh, we all assumed, oh, just call Leon Edwards. He's probably in the bullpen anyway. He tweets, I asked to do that. They told me I wasn't needed. So, um, you know, if this ended up being the co-main event getting bumped up, no disrespect to Gastelum Till, which is a really good fight, you know, it wouldn't have been the same. And I think you can even argue this is a good card on Saturday. It's not New York great, though. It's not 205. It's not 217. Last year was a little bit piecemeal with with Cormier and uh, Derek Lewis. I mean, we still had Adesanya on there. You still had some things. But damn, we're lucky that this fight is holding firm and we're still getting what we're getting, which is this unique, fun matchup, this guaranteed violence, all gangster, all the time, BMF battle. Wow, we got a lot to talk about moving forward on drug testing, but just thank God we have this fight. So let's break it down, guys. I don't can I cannot see a scenario where this doesn't entertain the hell out of us for as long as it lasts. Like even in in your most critical, like you know, waiting for the sky to fall. Can you imagine this fight being anything but a war? No, nah, it's going to be a war for sure. I mean, you got you got the the explosive striking of Jorge Masvidal, and he's a clean striker too. He got some pretty striking ability, and you know he's gotten a lot better too. And and the way he's been able to get better is he believes in himself and that belief that he has in himself is carrying him so much farther than than before 
But then you have Nate Diaz on the other end, who's just so durable. And he's going to take a lot of those big explosive shots from Masvidal in the beginning. And he's going to get stronger as the fight goes on. He's one of those triathlete guys. So that's his strength. And, and he looks forward to get beaten and badged up in the beginning of the fight because he knows he's going to keep on touching you. And he's going to keep on touching you. And then he's going to smother you and make you feel claustrophobic. And the next thing you know, he's going to be just tapping you in your face. And it's going to feel like just little pity pat punches. But before you know it, you're going to get dizzy and the referee's going to step in there. And that's how he gets it done. So it's it's one of those fights that it's going to be for the ages. Oh, Everybody's on steroids. The whole- uh, yeah, the whole, the whole all of you. Brandon, when you look at this fight, Rashad just touched on a lot of those sort of matchup angles. When you try to handicap it, when you put the BMF and the USADA and the steroids to the side, who has the edge? Who should be the betting favorite coming in? How do you break, how do you even come to that decision? Because, you know, that, Nate's got one fight in three years. Right. That's the one thing where I think I asked Rashad like a month ago about that when the line first came out that they made Jorge the favorite minus 170. To me, it's like, are you giving him that just based off of two wins where one of them was, I mean, we can call it like luck, but strategy going in to knock somebody out in five seconds with a knee? Like, I, the winner of this fight is going to be, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a knockout, to be honest. I feel like this is going to go five rounds, five minutes, like the full distance, just because I don't know that either of them has like that true knockout power in one punch. It, it might be a volume of strikes that takes somebody out, but I just feel like this is going to be such a tactical war where they're going to both play chess in there, where you're going to see Nate throw a volume of strikes at him when he gets Jorge against the cage at one point where you're going to feel like, Oh no, how is Jorge going to get out of this? And then Jorge will scramble out, make his, make his way back to the center and he'll land a few shots. I just feel like this is going to be such a, I mean, I don't like doing this, but I feel like this might be very much like Nate against Connor too, where it was just back and forth, tactical striking. Somebody's isolating a ligament for five minutes and then the other person's isolating for five minutes. You know, I just, I think this is as even as a fight gets in terms of betting odds. I, yeah. If you're putting money on this, I couldn't see you having that much confidence in either side. I got a lot of tweets and people saying, "Well, Jorge's bigger. It's going to be that." I, I see the. I see this as even. Like if I, you know, my prediction is some form of a split or majority decision that's entertaining, and both are winners. Both are elevated. I think they'll live up to what the BMF means. They're going to fight. I don't think Nate's going to be taking this to the ground. Rashad, will this go to the ground at all? Should this go to the ground? Because Nate's got this insanely great uh, grappling game, but, you know, you look at the second Connor fight, never tried to use it. Doesn't seem to use it unless he has to. Should he in this matchup? Or is this just going to be his boxing against Jorge's explosiveness? I think he will use his wrestling, and I think he will because he knows that he has advantage there. Um, I think he knows that Jorge is a very explosive and a fast puncher. And I think one way he's going to try to slow down Jorge is to try to grapple him a bit. You know, Jorge can grapple, but it's not his it's not his bag, you know, and, and he, he's pretty decent at grappling. You know, I watched uh, a grappling match between him and him and uh, Anthony Pettis, and he did really, really good in that. And he just he shows he knows how to grapple. But when it comes down to it, I think that, you know, Diaz has that that ability to drain him a little bit more with the wrestling. So. I think he, he, he will try to, but I think him putting pressure on, on Masvidal and just kind of 
you know, having Masvidal punch through those long arms will, will kind of will, will kind of end up working in his favor because he's going to be able to touch him and reach him and everything like that. I think that um, Diaz, his conditioning is going to be the, the thing that, that is a difference in his fight. And I think that's how he's going to win this fight just because he's going to be more um, well, a little bit more well conditioned and he's going to go to the body, touch Masvidal to the body. And I think that's going to go on Masvidal gas, gas tank. But so that, it, that's it, an interesting yeah. part of this. We don't think of Masvidal as a distance guy. He went five rounds once against Gilbert Melendez in a strike force title loss. And he went five rounds in 2015 in a split decision loss to Benson Henderson. Everything else is short fights. And here, and here's another, and here's another thing too. Here's another thing. You have to look at the fact that you know Nate Diaz has been on the stage many, many times. All this is still kind of new for Masvidal, like the whole ride and everything he's on right now. I love it for him, and I love that he he's on it. He's a well-deserving guy. But all this is new. I don't know if if it will affect him in a way it does affect some people. Maybe may have no effect on him. But at the end of the day, you cannot discount the fact that this is all new for Masvidal. And Nate Diaz has had bigger stages than this when it comes to competing. So for him, I think it, he's going to find his flow a lot faster in the fight just because this is already a stage he's used to. Rashad, when you went five rounds for the first time and that decision went over Phil Davis in 2012, how hard was that? How hard is that making the three to five leap when you're forced to? It, it's pretty hard, especially if you have to fight outside of your pace. You know, and luckily for me, I, I made sure uh, I didn't have to fight outside of my pace. But I did feel in, in that fourth round, like, OK, I, I'm I'm starting to feel like this is this is something different, you know. And and I think if, if you know, Phil would have made me fight outside of my pace a little bit more where I had to, you know, get up from a wrestling takedown or had to, you know, work off the cage or work something that, that I wasn't planning on, then I think I would have felt different going into that fifth round, you know. And when you don't have that experience it's uh it's a tough one to, to go in there with somebody who that's all they do is run these dang triad you know these these yeah. long fights and they're they're built for it while we're on the uh ask rashad segment of this podcast um when you fought chuck you know he hadn't stopped being chuck at that point he was still chuck like, right. that was freaking chuck you fought still chuck chuck um What's that? What's that feel like? Like you're—I mean, you knocked the guy, you set the guy to hell, but like, yeah. you got to be thinking in that fight, like this is chalk, dude. If he catches me, like this is bad news. Oh yeah, all, all all the way through it, and and especially when I was inside the cage with him, I remember thinking like he—I'm like, wow, that's Chuck Liddell I'm fighting, and I look across the banner up top, and I see Chuck Liddell or Rashad Evans. I'm like, wow, this is really happening. And then I look across the cage, and he's doing the stretch, the Chuck Liddell stretch, what he did. I'm just like. Wow, he's doing a Chuck Liddell stretch. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, and I'm, and I'm looking at him and he's doing like everything that he was doing. I was like in awe about it because I've seen him do it so many times because I was a fan. Even when he walked out, I'm, I'm bobbing to his music because I'm like, this is that Chuck Liddell song, you know? And, and it was, it was like, wow, I'm fighting Chuck Liddell. It, it was that. It was that until I got hit. And then I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta fight. Did, did you get anything like full power from him? Did, did you eat anything? Yeah. He caught me with a good right hand, and it's like the the first one he caught me with. I did like a little shimmy after he hit me. That really that really hurt me. <laughs> it, was, it, it gave me a nice little like uh, like a like a little light flash, like zoom. 
Legendary Knights, Brandon. You, you know, you, you're sitting next to royalty. You gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta tug and pull. You gotta, you gotta get, you gotta get the stories out of it. Back to this fight. Um, yeah, I'm with you. This is going the distance, and it's gonna be fun. And I think there will be that mixture of violence, but smart, educated violence. Te- uh, this this gangster chess match is that is that inappropriate to say? It's gonna be ghetto chess. I can't wait. This is gonna be fun. And it's like this fight has really lacked a build. They didn't come and, and, and deliver at that press conference. They're not going to be fighting this week in the in the weigh-in and in the press conference. They're kind of lucky there was this Nate versus the machine angle to add life to this. But I don't see how we're going to end up having a boring fight. It's not possible. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 these guys, they respect each other so much. And I kind of felt like that's what, what made it not so hot is because they, there's a lot of respect going both ways. But with the whole Nate... And, and everything situation happened, I felt like it kind of picked back up interest in a lot of people's minds and definitely in my mind too. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it was, it was a kind of an interesting angle to get, get some, you know, some interest to this fight, but I think it's going to work just well. And I think people, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a huge success. Brandon, I got an ATS winning the close one here, regardless though, of who you have, what's really at stake in this fight. Oh, man. I don't... Do you think a title shot? I don't know. <laughs> no. I mean, if Masvidal wins, you can't not give him the winner of Colby and and Kamaru, correct? You can't not do that. I think that... I think you have to. You have to. Yes, it's, you have to. Well, I think, yeah, you would have to. Just because he'd be riding on such a high and everybody would be like, this is the guy because he'd be the guy. And yeah. and he'd have that that BMF flair to him, and 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 his stock is rising. But if this is Nate, this is where it gets BMF difficult. Belt too, that BMF belt, so <laughs> it'd be right. belt versus belt. Damn right. <laughs> um, if this is Nate, it's like it's the same Nate quandary, and I think it only got worse with this handling. You know, with how this whole Usada thing was handled in terms of the idea of him not being a company man, not a favored guy, not always treated the right way. Could take three more years off. Could go right into Connor. Could go into anywhere. Um, is Nate in title contention with a win, or is he just in his own celebrity category? Yeah, I think he's in a celebrity category at this point. If he wants to go for the belt, I feel like he could. He could make a case with a big win on Saturday night. But to me, I feel like he's just not motivated by that. He's motivated by putting on a good show, making the right money. And really just having fun. Like, that's what I've gotten out of all this is more, is he has his principles, but he also is out there to enjoy himself. Yeah. But and, if you are in the damn I, UFC war room, Brandon, and you have the marketing guy there with sitting next to Dana, sitting next to that weird machine gun piece of art that has cocaine in it, you know what I'm talking about. And you're like, um, let's look at what's left of Nate's brand. If you let Nate Diaz retire before getting another title shot, considering that he's like the ultimate babyface, like Randy Couture in, in credit to Randy for surviving this heart attack and, and walking out of the hospital. That guy was a babyface, right? That guy was captain America. It's kind of rare. GSP was a hell of a babyface. This guy's uh, uh, somehow a, a babyface. Like people will want him to win that title so freaking badly. Yeah. And then you're going to hear John Malkovich's voice from, rounders saying pay that man his money yes yes 
all night long. Chick, chick, chick. Alligator <laughs> blood. Yes, indeed. All right. Rashad, you got any other closing thoughts on this fight? You want to make a prediction? Where are you? I like Nate. I like Nate in this fight. I think that, you know, Jorge, obviously tough, but I think when it comes down to it, I think the, the fact that he doesn't have that, that, that experience, that championship round experience, and just the big fight experience that Nate Diaz does, I think is going to come back on him. And I think also the pressure that Diaz, Diaz brings, uh, with, with his, with his striking is very underrated and it's, and it's something different once you get inside there with him. I've seen, I've seen Diaz turn, you know, some of the best strikers in the world and to make it look like they don't have any stand up at all. And it's because of the way he fights and, and what he's able to endure along the way. Uh, Jorge Masvidal, without a doubt, has more power and more speed, and he's going to have to utilize that in order to to really put Diaz on his heels and, and take away, you know, that that ability that he has. But I think that Nate Diaz m- may understand that and may be a little too smart and try to gym, you know, gum him up in the beginning to uh, make him a little bit tired, so his punches lose a little bit of power. I'm with you on that. Um, Brandon, when I look up and down this card, by the way, I know I, 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 I took a little bit of a doogie on it, and I was like, you know, it's not up to New York standards. With that said, there's a lot of fights I really care about, a lot of fighters and storylines here I really care about. So I'll peel that back a little bit, and we start with that co-main event, middleweights, Kelvin Gastelum, Darren Till. Um, the potential for action is huge. Yes, Dana advised Darren Till not to take this fight. Brandon, tell me if I'm wrong here. Kelvin Gastelum has a chance coming off of that elite championship level performance and defeat that he gave Izzy Adesanya. I think to make a decision and show us, are you the real? Are you for real? Are you a title contending guy? Will you take this win if you get it and go right back to the top of the line? Or are you just an action fighter who's going to flip wins and losses? This is to me as important of a fight for him as I've seen in a long time because he just proved to us in defeat that he's of that ilk. I think I would say that he's probably got the chance to get back into title contention in this fight, but he also he needs to prove to us something. I mean, Darren Till's a big dude to be fighting at 185 now, and the fact that he was fighting at 170 is still mind blowing to me, given those videos that we saw of him trying to cut. But I I feel like Kelvin could be the real here. I feel like his career arc is just so odd, like the way that he's gotten to this point now and he kind of just fell into it <laughs> for lack of a better term. And if he's able to pull this off and, and score a knockout over Darren Till or just even look really good in the decisive decision win, the, there's no way to keep him out of that picture. I'm with you on that. I'm with you. He's got the, he's got the right guy in uncle Ali there. Uh, Rashad, right? <laughs> I mean, you want to get, um, you want to get the rocket strap on your back you you call up but you call up Ali. Definitely, definitely. You know, I like this fight and I think that um Darren Till, I like his mindset going into this fight. You know, he's he seems to have a big chip on his shoulder. You know, Dana didn't want me to take this fight. Nobody believes in me. F everybody. I'm gonna show everybody, you know, you know, he's saying all the right things, you know, like he's gonna die in a cage. Like he's saying all the right things, but I think that uh, you know, KG has just got something different. You know, I think that um, when when you look at KG on film, he may not be as tough as he looks. And you may think that, you know, uh, and I don't even know how that may be, but he, he he's 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 somehow you can definitely 
uh, he, he definitely sometimes you think you can do better than you can when you get in the cage with him. And I've seen that time and time again because he has that that power, that power that you, you don't you can't really plan for. And I think that's something that Darren Till hasn't really felt. And, and I think that's going to be the biggest difference in this fight. You know, Calvin, Calvin has been in there with a lot of a lot of people. He's got that experience. He has a big fight experience. And I think that, uh, you know, I think he's going to he's going to go through Darren Till. I'm with you on that. And this is a, you know, and I mentioned there's a lot for, you know, Kelvin to prove to us. Good Lord, there's even more for Darren Till. I mean, he's coming off the Woodley title loss and then the Masvidal knockout. So moving up to a new weight class, a third straight loss would be rough. And Brandon, when you get two guys together who have something to prove, that's when you get fire. That's when you get magic. I like Gastelum. I like him big here. Um, We're going to get to your boy, Johnny Walker. Uh, Rick Weirdo, red Johnny Johnny Blue there, but um, sneaky good fight here. Stephen Thompson, Vicente Luque, welterweights. This could be a rough night for Wonder Boy, bro. You think so? Luque comes to bang, and I just feel like Wonder Boy, like that Pettis loss, is like who he is right now. He can control a fight for a while, but then can get caught with something. He scares me, is what I'm saying. He toes that line. Okay, you could say he gets caught with something. I mean, Anthony Pettis just pulls out a Superman punch. Yeah, that's going to catch anybody. True, yeah. but Vicente Luque is kind of hot right now. Yeah, Vicente, and uh, he's been training at 365, and he's been looking really phenomenal. Um, one thing I can say about him is that, you know, he he does everything so well. And no matter where you're beating him at, he'll find a way to get to where he is is have the advantage. And where he can do his thing, and he's not—he's patient in there. He doesn't—he doesn't get scared or get frustrated with himself when a technique doesn't come go his way, or when he gets caught with the punch, or whatever the case may be. He—he he keeps his mind really, really focused, and um, that's one thing that you know you, you see Thompson sometimes tend to to, to his concentration breaks a little bit, you know, and, and that that catch from Pettis is is. Just that, you know, his concentration break. He was beating Pettis the whole fight, but just, you know, not knowing he still had a dangerous dog in a fight caused him to, to, to rush in and not give him enough space and get caught with that punch. So uh, I like Vincente in this one. It's going to be a good fight. And Thompson's in that weird spot where he's won three and one in his last five, but it's a little deceiving, right? There was the two fights with Woodley that were weird. The Darren Till fight, I thought Thompson had done enough to win. And then he's beating the pants off Pettis before getting stopped. Yet going three losses in a row would, would certainly be bad. But Luke, 10 and 1 since 2015. The only loss that decision lost to Leon Edwards. And during that run, I mean, you know, he's defeating guys like Mike Perry, like Nico Price, Bilal Muhammad. He's, he's put together something nice. This is a good ass fight. This is, this is, this is part of what I like on this card. Uh, Derek Lewis bouncing back against Blog Boy. Ivanov, uh, it'll be it'll be fat violence at the very least, right? That's our boy, Derek Lewis. I'm down with that. I'm down with that fight. You know, I mean, we all have the same question in the end, basically. What round was the final? Not really, actually, actually, not really. Dude, all right, let's let's be really honest, guys. Uh, Tra- Ronda and Travis Rousey, the videos they post, it's it's the it's cringe city. It's just it's like the painful kind of cringe. Like I'll watch. I'll watch Cejudo put all of his world titles in diapers and do that really weird thing he does any day than watch Ronda and Travis at the farm, like, like pat each other on the rear end. And like, like it's just, it's, 
I don't know who's getting down for that. I'm not down. All right. Not down. Sorry. I, I haven't even seen it. What's happening? They just they they let the people in a little too close to like their life, you know, and they're like flirting and they're making breakfast. It's like just turn the cameras off, dude. All right, like you know, like just stop. Brandon, can you back me on this? After like her years of like hiding from doing media of obligations and not talking before that um, Amanda Nunes fight. Now they have no problem talking to yeah, them. Yeah, it's overexposure. Really? It's stuff. It's cringe. It's get away. I, I hate to say this. I, I got I got to see this because I want I want to be able to offer. <laughs> I just hate to say this. I hate to say. And oh, and she's putting out like like almost like her attempt at like Saturday Night Live skits. Like there's all these like like it's just it's just bad. Everything. I hate to say it because it's rude, Rashad. But now that she doesn't have the luster of being so dominant, and you're just focused on the personality, it's like ugh, you know. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Oh, hey, look. Man. This show. Look, I've removed the filter from the show. All right. Yes, People you are, did. Uh, you did yeah. that. You did that in the first five minutes. <laughs> all right. Hey, this lightweight bout, Kevin Lee and Gregor Gillespie. A lot of pressure on Lee to still prove what I believe. Rashad, I believe that Kevin Lee will wear a UFC championship one day. He's still that dude. I know I've gone down with him in the past with this opinion. Still only twenty-seven. I know he was supposed to beat RDA, and I told you he was going to beat RDA, but he's back down to lightweight. If he can make it, and if he doesn't get any more of those um, odd sores on his chest. Remember he had that weird thing against Tony Ferguson? You know where I'm going with this, right? Was that <laughs> SARS? What the hell did he have on his chest that time? That was weird. If he doesn't have that, the guy's waiting to bust out. Rashad, do you have the confidence in this all-killer, no-filler lightweight division that Kevin Lee can keep making 55? And finally prove me right. Look, I love Kevin Lee. And when I watch Kevin Lee, he kind of reminds me of a Habib. I mean, he, he has that dominant ground game. And I thought that was one of the best things that Kevin Lee has in his arsenal. But the problem with Kevin Lee is that he fades too much. You know, his his cardio fades. Cardio is an issue. And it's not so much, I believe, his cardio issue is the fact that he's just not fighting smart. He expends energy when he doesn't have to. He goes for takedowns. And, and, and drains himself to the point where it's like he's trying to get himself tired. So that tells me that his biggest problem is just understanding fight strategy and understanding how to fight his best within that strategy. So if he figures that out, I believe, like you believe, he can be a champion. You guys are crazy. Okay, first of all, Rashad and I are on the right side of history. Second of all, I think I'm wrong. This card rules. What the hell was I talking about? Dude, Gregor Gillespie's unbeaten against Kevin Lee. This is magic. Brandon, how good is Gregor? Gregor is going to dominate Kevin Lee in this fight. I I really don't think that there's a way for Kevin Lee to win this fight unless he is just able to completely shut down Gregor's takedowns because Gregor you said you said Kevin Lee is like Habib in his in his in his wrestling and his dominance, but Gregor gets on you and he he's like a gator. Like he just holds on to you and won't let go with those arms because his submissions are just sick. And I just don't see how Kevin's gonna get out of that. Like Gregor hasn't shown us a stand up game really yet, but I feel like his his wrestling is just gonna be so high in this fight that it's not even gonna matter. Yeah, I don't know. It's I don't be know because it, 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 might, it might be what you said about the uh, the um, stand up game. The stand, they, they, their stand up, the wrestling might cancel each other out, and they might just stand up and just bang. Yeah, Kevin Lee that, can bang. 
Brandon, wake up to that, all right? I'm I'm with Rashad on this. Hate Rashad's nuts out your mouth. Then talk to me. <laughs> no, no, I'm with him. I'm with him. He knows where it's going. All right, let's say it here. This is your fight. This is your Super Bowl, Brandon Wise. Johnny Walker Red, back from that shoulder celebration injury. The Brazilian, the 27-year-old, the 6'5", wonderkind, who only makes highlight reel TKO knockouts, is going to step up in class against the the veteran, the trusty, the the hard-ass boons of Corey Anderson, who tried to F around and get himself a title shot and came up empty and was told, I'm sorry, sir, you don't sell. People don't care about you. That chip's on his shoulder as he's going up against one of the next potential Golden Boys for UFC in this absolute carnival show that is Johnny Walker. Brandon, can your boy, J-Dubs, prove himself to be more than a sideshow Bob and come out here and do the same thing that he did to Misha Serkinov, to Khalil Roundtree, make a highlight happen. All right, so if and when he does this, are you going to put some damn respect on his name? Because the hate is just growing. Bro, and... I'd rather watch Travis and Ronda make breakfast all what? day long. No, seriously, look, he's, he's, he's spectacular. I don't know if he's for real. This has been wild to watch. This is a real fight, though. This is it. This is a real-ass fight. Yeah, I mean, I can't get enough of him. I, this is going to be amazing theater. And especially that it's like the prelim uh, main event getting you ready for the pay-per-view. They're going to put on a show. Corey is not going to go out like a punk on his back without a fight. He's going to give he's going to give Johnny something that I don't think Johnny has seen before. He's probably going to try and take him to the ground if we're being honest. Like Corey's way to win this fight is just immediately go take his legs and just see what he can do. And, 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 And while we're on that, Corey Anderson is the best wrestler in this weight class. Wow. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Rashad, this is John Jones' weight class. It's the best wrestler in this weight class. When it looks, when when I'm talking about this guy's takedowns are so efficient, his stand up, his his setups are so efficient. Corey Anderson's problem is he just cannot get caught with that big shot. That that that's that's, shout out to OSP. That that that's that's (laughs) just that's just about it. But when it comes to the working pace, when it comes to uh, the combination striking and transition into wrestling. I gotta go see a all day. Corey wow. Anderson, overtime okay. Anderson. I'm telling. You. It's spicy at that table right there in Fort Lauderdale right now. <laughs> hey, um, listen, listen, and then and then plus, you 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 do something to piss off overtime. You know, overtime. You know, he's got that old kind of that that uh Vander Holyfield to him. Yes. You know what I'm saying? That so. When you tell him he can't do something and you tell him that he's not that guy, he's going to prove you wrong. And, and Dana and Dana gave him all the ammunition he needs. This dude is going to be like TNT on Saturday. Wow. Now, Brandon, your boy Johnny Walker in his uh, UFC debut, which came in the Contender Series, Brazil, he went a three-round distance against a guy whose record is abysmal. His other three UFC fights are just all first round, you know, a minute or less, 30 seconds knockouts. Are you confident that if Corey Anderson can take him down, if he can take him into the deep waters that is the third end of the third round when you haven't been there consistently? And by the way, if you look at Johnny Walker's entire career, there are a lot of first round finishes there. Um, is this, there's, there's potential. There's potential for expose here. There's potential oh, yeah. for an exposure for being caught naked. 
if Corey Anderson takes him down, I'm terrified of a Michelle Pereira situation happening where where Johnny just ex- exerts all of his energy trying to get off of him and just has nothing left in the Dude, tank. I just saw a like minor league Michelle Pereira fight where he climbed to the top of the cage and then did a moonsault during the fight. I sent this to you. Dude, this guy's a freaking animal. What a weirdo. All right. Um, this is, the, I love these type of fights because we, we got to, he's got to prove it. J- Johnny Walker's got to prove that you're, you're, I mean, you know, your boner for, your phoner for him, Brandon, your fight boner for the man is legitimate. I can't wait to see. I'm Team Anderson. I'm Team Rashad. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? Shock- Shocker, so the hate continues. You're going to have to rip off a door if you want to get our attention for Johnny Walker. So why are you turning on a door? Because, I, look, I don't, you know, all right. Hey, a couple other good fights here. Uh, I like me Shane Burgos a lot. This Makwan Amerikani fight I'm going to be tuned in for. But I'm even more excited about Brad Tavares going in there, speaking of Rousey, against Coach Edmonds' boy, Edmund Shabazian, 21 years old. And has looked nothing but spectacular through four UFC fights. That 72-second submission of Jack Marshman in July, Brandon. You and I were there for that, right? 239, yeah. Um, This kid's a player. This kid's for real. Coach Edmund, head movement. We got something brewing over there in Glendale, California. Yeah, that's going to be such a good fight. Especially because Brad is such a tough dude who just does not... He does not go down easily. He took... He took um, uh, Israel Adesanya to the brink in his in one of his fights in the buildup of his career too. So this is going to be a definite well, big. What, what does brink mean? He wasn't really in that fight. I was there. You know, Izzy was was point fighting him, keeping him away, hitting him right. Yeah, but he just he was eating all of those shots. He wasn't going down at any point. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm just I'm just correcting correcting history there. Uh, Rashad, are you woke to Edmund Shabazian? Is this guy like? I met I met him a few years ago, uh, way before he got into the UFC out in California, and uh, I was impressed with him back then. And and now when when he's in the UFC, I'm very impressed with him now. He's shown a lot of growth in every single fight. He's getting better. And when you're that young and you just got that much, you know, uh, excitement, you know, sky 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 is the limit. Especially when you know he's he's got his coach. I, I like Edmund. Edmund Edmund's been able to instill some some good knowledge in him, and he's been able to progress him along. And the fact that he's Edmund had that experience with Ronda, you know, it, it, it's definitely been able to spill off some of that knowledge into this younger guy here. It's going to be fun to watch. Brandon, are there any other fights that are moving you? I mean, I got a, one. I got one. I got one. I got one. Biggie boy. Biggie boy versus Andre Olowski. Yeah. Who? Tell me about this guy, Jair Zinho Rosenstruck. Biggie. So Biggie, Biggie boy, he trains out here at 365. He's from Suriname. And this dude is a bruiser. Like, my goodness, his stand up is 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 dirty. His 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 hand he got heavy, heavy strikes. Heavy, heavy striking. Uh weakness is is in the grappling game, but he's been like is it's gotten so much better. So much better. So this guy gets his rustling down where he's actually able to take people down and, and really understand it well. He's going to be a contender one day. He put out that dude who um, Greg Hardy illegally yes. need Crowder. in like eight seconds. Alan Crowder. Yes. Yes. All right. Um, um, give me give me all of Julio Arce and Hakeem Duado too. By the way. Yeah, that one's going to be going to be good too. 
Lyman Good also on this card, thinking of things that are good. All right. Hey, 244, guys. I was wrong. Great fight. Great card. Can't wait to see. What a great podcast we just did. I don't try to touch ourselves, pat ourselves on the back too often, hey, but I mean. I got to say, say, BC, you brought it today, man. You brought it. <laughs> Audio friggin' magic. Okay, Brandon? Maybe you can learn a few things. Okay, okay, Brandon? This was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know it's your first time involved in something like this. Welcome to the big leagues. Um, after this, you'll be back to the undercard, believe me. Yeah, uh, there you go, Michael. Take your eyeball out. All right. Hey, guys, get yourself fired up. Brandon, will we have an instant analysis pod? Look, it's, by the way, it's Canelo Kovalev week, so you want to be dialed in to the State of Combat podcast. Go check out our boxing preview. We're going to have special interview episodes Thursday and Friday. Your boy BC on the ground in Vegas. Big time names and guests coming your way. We got a boxing incident analysis on Saturday. What about for those 244 fans out there? Yeah, it's going to be me and your our buddy Jack Crosby, who's going to be live on the scene, as they say, for this event in New York City. And then he's going to run back to a hotel room so that we can talk about it. I love that. Rashad, are you um, dialed into Canelo Kovalev? Do you have any thoughts on that fight? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I like Canelo. I like him to win that fight, though. I think he's going to go to the decision. He's going to go to the body. He's gonna, he might fold that dude up. But here's the thing, dude. Kovalev's got a stiff-ass jab. It's going to be fun early. It's going to be fun, all right? Yeah, it will be. It, it, it will be wow. fun. Just... You hear that delay, Brandon? That guy's like, yeah, okay. No, no, because here, here's here's what I see. I see that, you know, um, defensively speaking, you know, Canelo's just so, so, so tight. You know what I'm saying? He's so, so tight. Yeah. I just don't see where Kovalev is going to get in to make it so that he's getting off. You know what I'm saying? I just think that he's going to be, it's going to be tight, tight, tight until you know Canelo start dropping him on a body and just folding him up. Do you respect the game though of what Canelo's doing here? Uh, moving up yeah. two weight classes against a slugger? Oh, I, I love it. I love it all day. I love it. I love all right. it. All right. I love that as well. Uh, follow us at State of Combat. Follow Sugar Rashad Evans on Twitter. Get in touch on Instagram with the latest in his comeback. See those abs at Brandon Wise 65. Mikey Mormile on the ones and twos. Me and Mikey are going to be all over Vegas this week, guys. All right. They do a lot of gross things legal there. I'm not going to touch any of them, but we're going to be on the ground. We're going to be on the scene. Crispy and clean. That's it. Enjoy the fights. Two words for you on the way out. Yeah, in fact, we out.